Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What's up? It is 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Sam Darkangelo from Cannabis Voter Project via headcount.org. We're going to get into all the cannabis policy that folks will be voting on this November. So let's just get right into it. What's up? Happy Sunday, everyone. Happy Sunday. Happy hey, Sunday, Lauren. Thanks for hey. joining us, Sam. Thanks for everybody else tuning in. We're doing a new thing for the next two, three months because we got dinged for, by some reason. So we're going to build up my law firm's YouTube channel, Collateral Base, and Miggy's channel. Miggy, what's your channel's name? You know, I, I don't even know the URL for that one, just because I, I, I don't use it that much. Like, I just poke at the YouTubes. Never been a... Uh, you, you've uh, been a YouTuber for almost two years, Miggy. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, I've never been a... Um, like, here's my channel. You know me, man. I'm, I'm just more about, like, doing yeah. other people's stuff, advocacy. And it's like, hey, I don't try and sell my shit. Well, yeah, but now we actually have to use it to combat uh, a thing that goes on in this industry. Because, like, Sam, thanks so much for joining us. We can't. We're going to talk about like your your efforts because you're talking about legislative reform, and the thing that we're advocating for currently is a crime. So I'm going to take a little time out to make sure that this this home to grow that I just trimmed yesterday uh, can burp during this show because it's it's in its cure. And I realize the purists out there are like, hey. That should be in a dry, dark place, and I and I get it. Did it for effect. Uh, yeah, it's your personal legal home grow, though, man. So that's right. It's my medicine. It's my yeah. medicine. It's all good. And like you were saying to to, to Sam's credit, like the, the our social media ban punishment, it, it stymies uh, the conversation, which you know the the Head Start voter count is uh, is part of, right? I'm sorry, you actually chopped out there for a second. I didn't. Oh no worries. So, because you're part of uh, what is it? Cannabis uh, Voter Project. Cannabis Voter yes. Project. Yeah. So, like, if you were to help forward that conversation, we wouldn't be penalized for off-link bullshit. You know, the the more. It's, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, uh, you're I see you yeah. freezing too. It's weird. Uh, I, you know what? The best part is both of you look just fine to me. So, Sam, let's, oh, uh, let's talk about the, the Cannabis Voter Project, because like yeah. we're sitting here. We're trying to change a law that says that we're criminals. And like, you know, I'm doing a criminal act right now by curing this 
delightful Kush type of uh, cultivar that I grew and, and then cured. Uh, so uh, are you facing any chal challenges in the Cannabis Voter Project? You know, not really. I think what's interesting about Cannabis Voter Project is that we are not, you know, strictly speaking, an advocacy organization. Our, our goal really is to care about cannabis voting and to be active and informed uh, citizens who just participate in our civic process, you know. And so we actually don't really advocate for any particular piece of legislation uh, per se. What we do believe is that people who want to see this issue move forward uh, need to assert their power. You know, the, the, the slogan we like to use is grow your power um, and be an active and informed voter who's going to understand oh, the ballot in a strict, strictly speaking sort of yes, no legalization sort of way. But also, you know, where do your local legislators stand? Where do your federal legislators stand on this issue? Be informed about what's going on. You, know, you have a lot of people who care about cannabis policy but aren't necessarily informed about the details and the goings on, don't know where their own representative us yeah, well. even is, you know? Um, yeah. And so we want people to uh, just be aware of what's going on in their community, um, but then also level uh, and get them registered to vote. You know, there, there's evidence out there that when you put cannabis on the ballot, um, it turns more young voters out. And so we are trying to do that in a very one-to-one -one way, find those voters for who cannabis might be apathetic about the political process in general and say, hey, if you care about this issue, uh, you know, you can see how it's moved forward in the last few years because people voted. And so you should be a voter. It's more of a hook to turn, uh, you know, apathetic people into participants in the political process than it is an actual advocacy organization. Although we do, you know, form, uh, broadly speaking, for sure. Uh you know, it's like in Wisconsin. Was it Wisconsin that, that Trump got upset that uh, yeah. cannabis was on a ballot? I mean, to me, that's some of the dumbest stuff that you can say as far as like yeah, the single issue, as Tom and I had before, it's more than a single issue because it, it involves a whole, it encompasses, you know, textiles, social justice, and all this other stuff. But um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that even, I, I hate saying right left just because I think we're all Americans, but the right, you know, doesn't want the cannabis voter out. You know, they're gonna they're blaming that one issue in Wisconsin, which is ridiculous. I in my opinion. But and I, I see what you're saying though. You you're trying to encourage more people to be part of the process though. Yeah, absolutely. And and use this issue to do it. You know, um cannabis voter project is an initiative of headcount. And headcount, I'm not sure if you're familiar, is, is a much broader voter registration organization. Uh we focus on youth registering young voters. Uh Primarily at COVID, uh, what Headcount was really known for was, was doing voter registration at Bonnaroo, uh, festivals like uh, Electric Forest in Michigan or Lollapalooza in Chicago, um, as well as, you know, on the road with artists like uh, Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, as well as, you know, sort of more jam band. We come out of the, we have our roots in the Great uh, Headcount, Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead. What is this strain? This probably has some relation to uh, Kendall. You know, a lot of the marijuana strains come from the Grateful Dead. So that's awesome that you guys are signing up where the people that like to yeah. use the products are, well, uh, you know. That, that's kind of where the idea for the initiative came from in some ways, is that we were at places like, for instance, the Electric Forest Festival in Michigan in 2018. Uh, yeah, that's, let's, let's go let's tell the studio, studio audience what the Electric Forest Festival is, because it is a pretty magical sure. concept. Oh, well, the Electric Forest Festival... Um, it's a music festival in, in Michigan, uh, in, around Rockbury, Michigan, uh, kind of an offshoot of the Rockbury Music Festival that existed for a little while, but it's a, you know, it's an electronic music, a little bit of a jam band festival. Um, high production, Burning Man-esque vibes going on, uh, really fun place. 
Um, but it's also, you know, it's, it's a lot of young people there. And in 2018, when Headcount was there doing its standard voter registration operations, so many young people were running up to this booth to register to vote, all of them with a smile on their face saying, you know, legalization's on the ballot this year. Like, I've got to, I've got to be registered. I've got to participate, you know? Um, yeah. I get to vote for history. I get to vote for week. When, when you do this work, you, you run into a lot of young people who say some variation of, well, why does voting matter? Like, why should I care? Like, nothing ever gets done when people vote. But cannabis more so than, than many issues. I mean, our politics have sort of stagnated in a lot of ways in the last 10 years. Legislation hasn't really moved forward um, in a lot of ways. But when you look at cannabis, and you look at the states that have legalized it, and you look at the states that are now debating legalizing it and the way that it's moved forward at the federal level as well, it's very clear the way that voting has moved this forward. Colorado, Washington, like it went on the ballot, people showed up and they voted for it. Um, and so it's a very good counter to that apathetic notion that voting is not an important exercise uh, to be able to, to show this issue to people who care about it. And uh, we decided to build a, an entire campaign around that because it, it was so effective in, in approaching young voters. Are you guys focusing on states? So I just came across a CNN article here. There's seven states, Arizona, New Jersey, <laughs> South Dakota, Montana, Mississippi, uh, all with it on the uh, the ballot coming up this year. Are, are you guys focusing on those states or is it just kind of everywhere? So the campaign is, is national. I mean, we focus on everything. You can go to our website, cannabisvoter.info. We break down where every member of Congress and every governor stands on cannabis policy, their voting records, their public statements, the bills that they co-sponsor. Um, and we use that sort of, you know, come for that information and then stick around, register to vote, uh, send an email to your lawmakers, check your voter registration status, find your polling place, that kind of thing. Um, but we are doing some targeted stuff in these states that are going to have cannabis on the ballot. Because, you know, I like to say that, that cannabis is always on the ballot, no matter where you live. I mean, if you're looking at the federal level, uh, cannabis is becoming a, a much more important issue. Uh, you've got the MORE Act being debated. You've got the Safe Banking Act floating around uh, there, stalling in the Senate. And so everybody everywhere in the country has a way to, you know, try to move cannabis policy forward uh, with their vote. And probably also at the state level as well. It's being debated in countless legislatures. But obviously, you know, these ballot initiative states are the places where it's most clear that cannabis is on the ballot, that your vote can, can affect this issue. And so what we're doing um, uh, and uh, about to be launching next week in South Dakota and probably Mississippi as well, is uh, targeted peer-to-peer -peer texting, uh, reaching out to young voters who based on a variety of demographic and consumer profile information have been deemed likely to support cannabis legalization. Yeah. And we're reaching out to um, two separate groups. There's high propensity and low high propensity voters, we're trying, we're trying to turn them into relational organizers. We're saying, you know, this is on the ballot. You vote frequently, so you probably already know this, but you need to be, you know, getting your friends and family uh, excited about this. And so tell us three friends that you're going to make sure are going to be voting, uh, you know, uh, in this state this year. And we're not telling you, but we are saying, you know, cannabis reform, this is on your ballot and you need to be prepared to vote. Um, and then with low propensity voters, we're doing slightly a different thing. It's not so much about relational organizing. It's just get out the vote. It's sending people these text messages saying, hey, did you know cannabis legalization is on the ballot in your state? And you'd be surprised how many people, even in state, are not really aware of that fact. Uh, you get a lot of responses. Oh, no, I didn't know that I can vote to legalize cannabis here in Arizona. Absolutely. Here's some information on that. Make sure you're ready to vote. Um, and so really, it's, it's about you know increasing voter turnout. And hooking these youth voters uh, and getting them to go to the polls because this this is on this is on ballot there yeah do you guys have you don't Arizona have any party affiliation right no we are a nonpartisan organization uh we don't make any judgments on candidates uh you know i'll tell you where a candidate stands but i'm not going to say you know who's better or worse that's for people to decide for themselves 
And, uh, you know, we're not even necessarily, you know, in favor of these ballot initiatives per se. We just think that these things being on the ballot is a great hook to yeah, because I'm not really all that People much. Excited about going to the Arizona one, but like you know, that's that's really interesting. The, the Arizona one is um, mm -hmm. it provides for super licenses, so it's just going to mm -hmm. be really difficult for people to get in. It's not a very dynamic, you know, right. Michigan or Oklahoma style legalization. And I'm like, ah, but then you have to understand that you know uh, that they have the ability to pass it via ballot initiative in several states, not necessarily in all of them. And so in Arizona, historically. The ballot initiative has always been just kind of axed by a Republican legislature. So if this ballot initiative works, it might still fail after it goes back to the uh, the legislation to, um, you know, make it even more restrictive, even though it's it's a fairly restrictive uh, ballot initiative itself. I'm sorry, I, you chopped up there for a second. I didn't. Yeah, well, you've been chopping up as well. That's one of the things we might need to. <laughs> We might need to dump out and let Miggy fill time and then come back and see if both of us could reestablish a connection. It's the uh, the Internet sometimes. It screws with you. <laughs> but, you know, in, in a minute, though, because you're focusing on, um, obviously, like you said, you're the, the voters who are always voting and, and then the new voter, mm -hmm. which, I mean, this has been a long three, almost four years. And people started out, they were 16, you know, three years ago, another 19. Uh, let's hopefully they're getting... They have a voice, yeah. but I think we focus too hard too sometimes on the the presence, right? Like like this guy, all this person does is like a figurehead. He signs the end paper. He says, "Okay, yes, right." right. But you know, we got the executive, the legislator, and the judicial, and each one makes the law that affects us. Like, are you doing like a criteria on like congressmen and senate people? Because I honestly think if we were to have that single issue be for each. Uh, legislature and bring out people not just for the topic but for that not for that single vote but for the the person who's going to vote for us you know the representative uh do you have any sort of like uh portfolio going on with the who we should look forward to um i'm sorry you, you chopped up there as well Maybe yeah, no, like 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 pro pro cannabis and and and, and uh con cannabis like legislatures are you guys hiding who we should yeah. like look for in our local level? Oh, well, we never tell anyone who to vote for, but we do want people to be informed about where the legislature stand uh, and to be sort of active in figuring that out. And I, I'm glad that you brought up state legislatures because that's where so much of this policy really gets decided. And it's often overlooked in favor of things like the presidency and Congress and the Senate, which of course are important for a variety of reasons. But in terms of helping your city council in a lot of ways is more important. Uh, than what's going on at the federal level. And so one thing that we really encourage people to do, which you can do through our website, email to your, your state lawmakers and ask them where they stand on cannabis legalization or any number of uh, specific cannabis uh, issues. I mean, even in Michigan, you know, we had for a minute people really about automatic, you know, obviously cannabis has already been legalized there, but even when legalization happens, so many issues are not resolved. Even pretty yeah. much every state that has legalized cannabis still has a variety of unresolved threads. Um, whether it's things like taxation and regulations, or if it's expungement, social equity, there's all kinds of issues that still in monopolies. The monopolies, like the number of licenses themselves, you know, like Nevada, Florida, they're basically the monopolies. Oh yeah, that, that's an interesting one because outside of people who really follow the industry, that's not an issue that your average person is really like on top of. Right. Um, and so those are the kind of things we want people to be informed about. Um, the thing about your state lawmakers 
is that if you shoot an email to your state lawmakers, ask about cannabis policy, you're very likely to get a your state lawmaker uh, breaking down where they stand. And oftentimes people, you know, they'll, they'll write us back and say, hey, I actually started a conversation with my state legislator about this issue, a real back and forth. Um, and more so at the federal level, these, these state legislators are going to be responsive to a groundswell of support for a particular issue uh, in, their, in their district. And so uh, really reaching out to I mean, a lot of people, they send this email to the state legislator. It's the first time they've ever even found out who their state senator even is. Uh, you know, right. so that's something we really encourage and to, to email their, their federal lawmakers as well. But oftentimes you get a sort of canned marijuana response that they send to everybody who reaches out about that issue. It doesn't as much like your state lawmakers. Um, yeah, you often get real responses and you can sort of feel the issue. Uh, you know, coming up and moving forward in a way. So yeah, that's, uh, that's very important. When we talk about the, uh, this national topic for legalization, it's funny. Yes, we are freezing out there. Sorry, guys. Uh, the It's funny. As we go through the comments, though, we have, like, you're, you're in Texas. And so we got somebody here. Come on, Texas, legalize. What's the status of uh, cannabis in Texas so far? I know El Paso, decrim. Yeah, so uh, Austin, Texas, where I live, uh, decriminalized about a year ago as well. Uh, and you know, how many grams? You know, I'm not sure. I believe it's up to an ounce. Um, and this is decriminalized in Texas. I am not least chief crime in Texas. Again, I would probably get a fine, and they would take it away from me. Right. Well, what's actually very interesting about Texas is I don't know if you saw the recent news that came out that marijuana arrests, possession arrests, had dropped for the first time in four years across the country. And if you actually looked into that data, a very large portion of that drop uh, was due to Texas because what happened in um, that made it pretty clear that you couldn't just arrest somebody simply for testing a leafy green substance. They needed to have that stuff tested in a lab uh, and be, uh, you know, marijuana instead of hemp. Uh, that it's distinction. a great defense. It's a wonderful defense. It's, it's a great defense. And honestly, when you're dealing with a lot of local police departments, they just, they just don't want to deal with it. They don't have the ability Three, to deal four, with it. Five months back. They don't have the ability yeah, to deal just, with it. You know? Exactly. It, it's, you know, just a number less than a handful of licensed testing labs in the state. And so there's often months long backlog on even getting these tests done. Um, and so a lot of departments have decided as a matter of course, if something is certain that they're not even gonna make the charge, uh, you know, and saw a massive drop in arrests in Texas. I don't know the exact number, it was something like thirty or forty percent drop in Texas arrests, um, even in sort of more rural counties where, you know, historically uh marijuana has been used. It's been, a, it's been a big issue over there. And so um, that's an actually interesting well, You're also getting, you know, Dallas is looking at decriminalization now as a city. El Paso did a while back. Austin has um, debating as well. Um, but in terms of actual moving legalization forward, one of the impediments here in Texas is that we have a two-year legislative process. So unlike yes, our legislature, we yeah. We had a, one of your judges on, and he mentioned that. And then not only that, like in Illinois, we pay our legislature ten times what they pay this, the Texas right. legislature. And then you guys only meet once every other year, and I'm like, nothing's gonna get done. But here's something yeah. that is, because you know what time it is? It's four twenty, and where you are somewhere it is. <laughs> I think he uh, stepped out a minute to hopefully get that reset. Oh, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. That was a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, then, you know, we're trying to meet a lot of weird guidelines and trying just to uh, 
stay legal. Stay compliant. I mean, stay compliant. Not just and then like, yeah, and then not and deal with the internet because the internet goes in and out. And then depending on who we're talking to, like if they're in Ireland or if they're in Boston, right. uh, you know, it can just be a little buggy sometimes. And that's before you think and like all oh, weird stuff happens with your channel. And then it's like, wait, somebody, is somebody trying to shut down. Okay, who? And then <laughs> why? Because we're advocating for a legal change, and like it's it's still a crime. It's like one of the biggest problems. Like, imagine if we were just you know murder legalization news, right? As opposed to cannabis legalization news. It's like we are legislating for something that it, we're advocating for something that's currently a federal crime, tantamount to heroin trafficking, punishable by a million bucks and a lifetime in prison. That should be a safe easy to access substance and a first line medicine for pain. It's just, um, it, it, it's that thing, cognitive, cognitive dissonance. You want to see cognitive dissonance, look up marijuana legalization. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, with murder is usually a victim to the crime. And so that's, you know, big, big difference. It's just ridiculous how we're getting, you know, even as a consumer, you know, and this is why I've been advocating for all our, God, over 20 years is because I just want to be, I do my best as a citizen to do most of the things that I'm supposed to do. And I just want to be a functioning, contributing adult, but I can't do that with jail looming over my head every day, you know, and it doesn't matter uh, what state you are, uh, even in legal states, people are getting messed with. So, uh, you know, the more we go forward, the better. Did you guys see that uh, uh, when Kamala Harris uh, mentioned cannabis, that stock surge? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, did, I did see that. I found it interesting too because, I mean, she really did just reiterate her long-standing position. So it wasn't like you know, it was like, oh, I guess it was this news to some people. I don't know. No, but, um, I mean, did you see like you know that one dude that was doing his longboarding, singing a Fleetwood Mac with like an ocean spray uh, right. cranberry juice thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, ocean spray stock doubled the next day. I mean, like oh, wow. people are idiots. That's all it is. They're they're reactive idiots. Yeah. Like, oh, somebody mentioned cannabis in the news. Buy, buy. Oh, they mentioned no cannabis. Well, sell. Right. You know? And so it's it's. But I got to. God, did I lose my chance to pick up Ocean Spray stock? Is that side? <laughs> you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's a bubble now. I can't get it. It's too late. It's over. You can short it. Short the Ocean Spray <laughs> stock. Yeah. Man, but at least it was mentioned. Though. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's we come cute. so close. It's like this carrot that keeps dangling in front of us, and. The fact that you watch the grown-ups talk about it, and you're like, all oh, right, what's going to happen? I swear that I remember them mentioning marijuana in the vice presidential debate for 2016. And I could be wrong on that, but let's, let's do some Googling and see. And then tune in next week. We'll talk about whether or not that was, that was mentioned. Because I thought that was always the thing. They don't bring it up in the actual debate between the, the people that are running for president. But the uh, Democrats will have, or somebody will talk about cannabis legalization in the vice presidential, so it doesn't matter. Right. I, I think what does matter, though, is you've been seeing, and this happened a lot yesterday, actually, these Senate debates. Uh, it's been a very big issue in these Senate debates. Um, I think there were two or three yesterday where it was brought up, um, even in the South Carolina debate, you know? Mm. Um, and so... Uh, well, it goes hand in hand with social justice reform. Like, this whole defund the police shit that we're talking about, it's not, we don't want to get rid of the police. We just want to reallocate yeah. and have good justice. Like, what's just supposed to be, not this arbitrary... Uh, 0.3%. Oh, now it's a crime. Uh, right. yeah. you know, it's just, just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Are you? Okay. I was say, is a head of your vote count? Are you guys also doing like 
say when policy comes out with like the FDA and they want input, are you guys actually getting word out too about those things going on or is it always strictly about the vote? I mean, we will post on our social media that there's an FDA comment period or something like that, but we don't actually lead like a charge to get people to, to make comments or make an official statement ourselves or anything like that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do that. I'm like, Hey, go tell them this is stupid. <laughs> you know? and, and, and so that's really a cool thing that you do have in your site. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to build into mine is the go email your legislature. Cause I get calls on the reg. I'll get a call a day. Uh, hey man, how do I get my Pennsylvania microbrewers license? I go, okay, you sitting down. <laughs> You pick up the phone, you call your legislature in Pennsylvania and go, I got $100 for you if you support SB 350. And then you find out who the actual uh, main supporters are, like the contributors are yeah. uh, to these people that, are, that have gotten elected. And then you call them like, how would you like to make a lot of money in the cannabis industry in Pennsylvania? And then so it's that's, that's just kind of what you have to do. I mean, if they don't know that you want it, uh, how come you're going to not? I mean, they, because it's a crime, right? The people that are running for office are usually like, I'm so good. I'm better than that guy. Hire me. I always follow the rules. Really? So you've never smoked a joint? Well, you're unqualified, in my opinion. You know? Well, it's also one of these things. I think another interesting development about, and this, and, you know, obviously, I'm sure you all agree, has taken a little too long, in my opinion, but marijuana is no longer a third rail issue. Even when you had a majority support for marijuana legalization, now it's up to like recent polls, 66, 67 percent yeah. support. But and that's, that's, like, medical. that's not just medical. That's, no, that's not, that, yeah, that's full adult use. And medical has something like 85, 90 percent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, through the roof. Um, I mean, no issue polls like that, like 85, 90 percent. That's not universally. No, but anyway, um, and so you started to have this for the longest time. I think there was just this understanding that this wasn't you didn't want to be like the marijuana guy in Congress or whatever. And so even in like early 2000s, as, as the you started to get closer to the you know, majority support, a majority of people in, in Congress or in legislators didn't want to touch this. It was just understood to be a third rail issue. And that perception has very rapidly changed. I think, you know, when you look at a uh, more act, for instance, in, in Congress, number of co-sponsors that it's had the fact that it's, you know, likely there's a vote in November and was, you know, unfortunately didn't receive its vote back in September. Um, that, you know, happening at such a high level uh, is unheard of. And that wasn't happening five years ago. And I think you finally broken through that barrier where now uh, politicians are realizing it's, they're not going to lose points for this one. They're not going to be like taken unseriously. But I don't know because that's one of the things that I think we got smashed so hard on our uh, legalization news YouTube channel that we had to be like, hey, tune into our other channels uh, for the next three months uh, because the election coming up, and they're like, shut this down. We don't want any type of like marijuana news coming up and and them getting influenced by that at all. It's it's bad for turnout, and then. I mean, again, it's not bad for turnout, but no, turnout no. is bad for one of the parties. And so, like, because they don't want that party uh, and they're trying to pick their voters. And I hate when you say that you have a democracy and then one of the strategies to win an election is to oh, pick yeah. the voters. Uh, and so it's, it, it's frustrating. It's like they try yeah. to gerrymander the conversation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It has been interesting in the last few years. Obviously, it's not universal. There are definitely politicians who don't support marijuana reform and then won't won't touch it uh, at all. But more so than in the past, I think, and a lot of it I do think has, has to do with this fact that marijuana, for the longest time, it was like you're pro marijuana legalization. The marijuana people, it was just viewed unseriously. Um, but it also wasn't viewed in the context of larger criminal justice uh, reform, larger social justice reform sort of idea. And I think now, as those things have come to the forefront. People now see marijuana legalization as inextricably linked 
to criminal justice reform, broadly speaking. And that also, as a development, I think has brought um, a lot more politicians into fold. You can now couch it in those terms. You're not like, woo, weed. You're like, oh, this is a social justice issue. And, and that, that framing, uh, you know. Social justice, taxes, local jobs. You know? Well, you know, yeah. This I mean, plant didn't grow itself. No, you know, no. <laughs> this isn't code. This isn't something where a couple of engineers in San Francisco make a trillion dollars. You know, if you want the plant, you got to grow the plant. You know, it's it's a wonderful local economy issue. And you're right. It was just derided. And, and then not only that, there was a, a shift of public opinion over decades. As that's how public opinion shifts take. And so that shift of public opinion over decades went from it being a dirty, daddy, devil's lettuce, drugs, people who use drugs are weak and they're criminals. And like, if they're going to be hard on, if I'm going to be tough on crime, I'm arresting people for all drugs. That ceased being what it meant uh, to have criminal justice. And, and, it's, and now that's starting to get rethought. And, but that took 30 effing years and it created a private prison industry. And it made Illinois, Illinois but America, the chief purveyor of, uh, of prisons in the world. Uh, and that's, that's just, it's perverse. And it's un-American in my opinion, but you know. I, you know, I think that um, a huge thing, and it's probably pretty obvious, is that you know, if you look at the, the lines of argument that were used against the legalization initiatives in Colorado and Washington eight years ago, um, looking back now, they, they seem absurd. Uh, people don't even use those lines of argument anymore against the current initiatives because this whole sky is falling sort of thing, it just, it just didn't shake out that way. You know, you didn't have your test case. Um, and so people could say all kinds of hypotheticals about what would happen if marijuana were legalized and they could maybe be believed by certain people. But that big shift in public opinion, that huge shift, has really happened in the last eight years as people have seen, oh, look, Colorado made a billion dollars in taxes and now they've got money. Let's go stores. skiing. Like, yeah, they, they start doing that. They're like, oh, we can get that there. Right. Let's go to Seattle and, like, you know, check out Puget Sound and, and get high. Yeah. You know? and How many tens like, of thousands? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I think I was kind of upset that Florida didn't. But, you know, COVID, would it would have been very difficult to get that on the ballot. But I'm excited for Florida 2022. And hopefully Florida breaks wide open. Uh, with the, the Supreme Court case. And so like in Florida, it would be a good initiative to tell those, because that's one of those instances where the legislature was a bitch. And, and the people, they had to vote on that twice, get it over 60%. I think it was like 72% or something of the Florida vote. And the, and the amendment for it says all. No, the amendment says or. So like they, they had these license types. You know, you could be a dispensary, a, a grower or processor. But then the, the legislature said, oh, you could be a medical marijuana treatment center, which is a cultivator, a, uh, a processor, and a dispensary. They required you to have all this money. And then they, they limited the licenses. But those weren't in the amendment. And so you just have to be really cognizant that, okay, maybe Florida will legalize in that sort of way in 2022. And then their legislature like, nice try, people. Just a second. Right. Uh, well, I think that that, you know, that dynamic is, is really interesting. And I think it changes a lot depending on whether or not something like the Moore Act has passed Congress federally in those ensuing two years. And once you, because even when you deal with these state legislators, I mean, you have a whole lot of state legislators that will say things like, well, look, maybe this is a good idea, but it's still federally illegal. And therefore it's unworkable, which obviously isn't true. So many states have done things in, you know, outside the boundaries yeah. of federal law. Right. But they'll, they'll say that. And once you get rid of, you know, the schedule one status of marijuana at the federal level, that just becomes null. And that really is one of the few lines of argument that people have is, oh, well, I don't want to go around federal law. This is an important, you know. That's um, right. That's right. It would have been so much easier for me to get a bank account, for me to get a mortgage, for me to, you know, do business. 
I'm glad that I don't touch the plant, you know, and so, but as an ancillary industry, you still have to put up shit. And, and then, you know, it, God forbid I start using my, uh, my trust fund, my law firm as an escrow service or something. And $3 million are going to show up next Tuesday. If I'd... No, no, it's legal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's so many things when you start clearing up that federal issue uh, that come into play, obviously there's the financial service sector yeah. uh, getting involved in the industry, which, you know, most of these businesses are still cash businesses, which is just insane. And then think uh, about like the revenue numbers, right? Cause this would be right. about $300 worth of grass. Uh, and so, all right, so that's, and then they would break it up into $50 eighths or something or $60 eighths. And, and thank you for the three twenties. Thank you for the three twenties. Thank you for the three twenties stacks to twenties. That stuff weighs, that stuff has weight as it adds up, you know? Oh yeah. No, and there's all sort of tax benefits that the cancer industry can't take advantage of. None. Um, which, you no know, FBA loans. No, like, uh, that's the IRC 280 E. So imagine you're a business trying to make a living. And you cannot deduct the cost of carrying on your business. And so, like, you can farm that shit. But if I was going to start, like, saying, okay, I need the uh, the stuff to be able to, you know, bag it and label it. And I want some branding. And I'd like a website. And I need a marketing person. And then I need some employees to help me sell this. None of those can be deducted. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not good social equity, too, to have the cost of just entering the market be so high. You know? Yeah. Um, it really kind of prices out just a lot of people. I mean, if you've got to put in X million dollars of overheads or you can even be approved to start your business, that's, you know, that's going to keep a lot of people out. Um, yep. And that's something that, you know, you guys, uh, I think, will be able to help lobby successfully for as you continue to build your network for the Cannabis Voter Project. One of the aspects is you might want to try to lobby for the micro grower cultivation type. And so that's the real secret sauce to taking out the uh, illicit, you know, illegal uh, uh, legacy market that's been out there selling weed on the street corner since day one. And uh, that's the lowest license type for cultivation. So like in Pennsylvania, it's called a micro grower. It's 150 plants. In Michigan, I think it's called a class C cultivation license. It's 500 plants. Uh, in uh, Vermont, they have the small cultivator, a thousand square foot flowering, uh, doing some flowering math because it's plants aren't square footage, but then square footage per plant is about a, like four or something like that. So it might be... Um, uh, about 400 plants. And then would it be 400? No, no, it'd be less, maybe 250. Uh, but then those types of smaller licenses, how many plants is the average illicit operation? We don't know. How can you get that data? Excuse me, I, I'd like to do a uh, uh, some uh, epistemological studies on the number of illicit grows and how large they are. You know, you might get killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean... Uh... That's interesting. You know, another thing that you, I think you kind of touched on there a little bit is the patchwork of regulations that exist across a variety of states, um, yeah. which is another thing that makes the industry a little a little wonky. Uh, one thing I think that's really interesting about what's going on in New Jersey right now is that they're about to vote on their legalization initiative. But a lot of other you know legislators around the area, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Connecticut, they've even a lot of politicians have made clear that there's going to be essentially a domino effect when New Jersey legalizes throughout the Northeast. You're going to see. Um, probably these other states very quickly and their legislators start to do it. But more so than in other places, there's been this sort of, I, I know Cuomo convened a number of governors together to discuss um, creating a sort of standardized regulatory system across a number of states in that region in order to help facilitate, you know, growth of the industry in there, which I thought was an interesting development because right now you'll have two, three, four states next to each other, all 
legal states, but with completely different regulatory frameworks. Between them, no interstate commerce allowed. I know that that's a federal issue. Um, but once that eventually opens up, I think you've got this kind of forward thinking thing in the Northeast where they're understanding that it's going to be to their benefit um, to have a sort of interdependent uh, cannabis economy at the state level. Um, so that's, yeah, that's we, an interesting development. Yeah, that would be awesome. We got that here up in the Northwest. You know, we got Oregon, California, and Washington, you know, all legal. Uh, and Nevada, touching on the other side, who's yeah. always low. So, I mean, right there, the interstate commerce could work. Uh, have you guys seen uh, the governor for New Jersey's Twitter feed? Oh, Phil Murphy, yeah. I mean, he... Very that man is going to make it happen, dude. Uh, he's well, always tweeting for legalization stuff. It was really interesting with him, actually, in New Jersey. Um, Phil Murphy, I believe, and I, I'm not positive about it, but I believe he was the first governor ever elected in 2017 ever to be elected on an explicitly pro-marijuana legalization platform. I don't believe that it ever happened before. Um, there was a lot of support in the legislature. was kind of close. Like Jamie Pritzker, Pritzker had after. that. Oh, it was after? Okay. In 2018. And Pritzker did get it done pretty quickly and had more support in his legislature. That's it. That's, yeah, we have a super majority. In, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, and I, when I say we, I outed myself as a Democrat. I'm an Illinois Democrat, just almost like an Illinois Nazi. And then um, it, it's... It was lockstep. And so, like, when you have no uh, separation of power, really, because it's Democrat, 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 it can go fast. They announced the bill. May 9th, they showed us the bill. May 31st, passed. Right. Nobody knew what was in it. It was 600 fucking pages, you know? Yeah. I think that was, that was so interesting because when New Jersey came through, and, and Vermont had legalized previously, but they hadn't instituted a retail market. Um, and that actually just happened like the other day, which is which is interesting. Um, but everyone kind of thought, well, New Jersey is going to be the first legislature to get the full thing done. Um, Murphy came in, the legislature seemed to be behind it, and then it just stalled for two years. And eventually, they kicked it to the to the um, to the ballot. And, but that's interesting too, because the ballot initiative in New Jersey um, is actually pretty bare bones. Um, it institutes a sales tax. It legalizes marijuana broadly speaking, but it kicks all of the regulatory questions to the legislature to be figured out. Um, with enabling legislation. And so, so there's no license window that's coming for New Jersey anytime th soon. There's there's very little that's actually uh, you know hashed out in the in the referendum itself. It's not like you know let me let me talk to New Jersey directly. Mm -hmm. New Jersey, make sure you don't number the licenses because otherwise you're just gonna have a whole bunch of corruption and bullshit and the prices are gonna go through the roof. Try to go after what Oklahoma did. But you well, know for adults. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, I was going to tell you earlier, I was going to say also we we're talking about like the barrier to become into the, the market. Oklahoma is the only state I could probably have a chance to get into. No, and you uh, only have a 25 percent chance because you're going to have to find an Oklahoman and say, how would you like 75 percent of a cannabis license? And you know what, though? I would still be a, a wealthy man. But uh, uh, just here's the uh, the governor of Jersey's Twitter feed right here. Uh, he says New Jersey spends 150 million processing marijuana arrests. Fuck that. I I mean, how hard is it to be like you're in charge of a state? I would think like the president type stuff. Why can't I just pen it? Well, I mean, if you look oh, over in Pennsylvania, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. That's not, the, the, the executive enforces the law. The legislative creates the law. The people pick the legislation. That's why I get pissed off when the legislators try to pick the people that pick them. Uh, and then I, I really get pissed off when the people actually express their wishes by passing this memorandum or this referendum in, in Jersey, let's say, and it passes. Yes, we want this. Then the legislature goes there and they're like, OK, well, we know what they want, but 
uh, let's let's now make it so it's a, what we want. And then is it going to be one of those deals where it's it's an and and you have a super license and now there's four uh, Jersey marijuana players and that's it. See now that and then is that is nothing to do with social equity. That's not going to stop the black market. Yeah. But uh, that could be what happens. And I, that's it, it stinks. And so, like, hopefully you can use your your network to then after it passes. OK, tell the legislatures we want this. We want that. We want this. We want an open marijuana market. And by the way, we should rename it from marijuana to cannabis because stigma. Yeah, I mean, one thing we try to tell people often is, you know, everyone gets really caught up in the if of legalization. But there's really a lot of questions about the how of legalization. And you really need to think about that as well. And so, sure, legalization is being debated in your state, but are you paying attention to how legal, how it's being legalized? And do you know how you think it should be legalized? And are you letting your legislators know that that's how you feel? Um, because, yeah, as you just said, you know, there are so many more issues than just yes, no on legalization. Um, and we try to make sure that people are informed about the, the nuances of those issues and are making their voices, their voices heard around them. Like, I mean, the word regulation itself, most people assume there's going to be like this huge checks and balances but you know in my uh, hippie opinion there's only one regulation needed and that's just the the requirement for labs well you should also have a minimum age well yeah, yeah, yeah. medicine it's 21 medicine. i understand if it's medicine 21 or a doctor's script okay uh, acceptable yeah. <laughs> at least in america of course and i i, I absolutely agree with like see i know what went in this i know what went in. I, I put it in there and so, like, uh, I do like that when it comes to the plant regulation being the lab regulation. Then, and, you know, it, oh, my gosh, people are like they're, they're turning this into money, like like actual cash bills. Sure. Well, if you had a lot more home grow, the demand for that would go substantially down. And then maybe like your price of a joint is similar to your price of a six pack. You know, so you can go down to the street corner and get a six pack of beer for 10 bucks. But that that ten dollars that you get for one joint, maybe then you would get like, you know, a three pack of joints or something. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find, follow, and support what you guys got going on at the Cannabis Voter yeah, Project? Absolutely. So we have our website, cannabisvoter.info. You can go there. You can uh, check the status of your voter registration, look up your uh, <clears throat> your poll place, uh, reach out to your legislators, find out where every member of uh, you know your state's legislators legislature stands on uh, cannabis policy. On a number of issues, see what their their you know their public speaking record is, their co-sponsoring, their, their voting record, um, and we also have our social media accounts: uh, cannabis underscore voter on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and then cannabis voter project on Facebook. You can follow us there. Um, yeah, we're doing a lot of outreach right now, just get everybody prepared for this election that's coming up in three weeks. Making sure people know, you know, one thing we've really been emphasizing, and I'm going to emphasize now before we go: um, if you are voting by mail, uh, make sure you're going out of your way uh, to follow the process to the letter. I mean, making sure that your signature is in the right place that you're putting your ballot in the proper envelope, sealing it in the right way. Uh, if you require uh, postage to be put on there, that you're doing that because cannot stress this enough, uh, hundreds of thousands of ballots were rejected um, in the summer, summer primaries and have every reason to believe that you know many ballots are going to be rejected again. So make sure you know how- yeah, And I want to see, and that's, that's extremely important, but uh, right now I wish I could like do a future subpoena and like subpoena all these people that are doing these types of tallies. And I want to see how many of these ballots that are rejected were rejected by Republican states or Republican legislators or somebody who is trying to pick their voters. And because they're trying to pick their voters for a very specific thing. And so like if you're in Wisconsin, if you're in Pennsylvania, if you're in Michigan, if you're in Arizona, if you're in Florida and you're voting by mail, Frickin' get like Batman on that shit. 
Oh, I mean, yeah, be, go out of your way to make sure that you do that. I mean, some states, they require you to use like black pen. You know, you can't use like blue ink. Um, so thing, there's so many nuances in all these different states. Um, you know, and if you go to headcount.org, our parent organization, we have headcount.org slash make your vote count. We break down these rules in detail for every single state. And so if you do intend to vote by mail, highly recommend you do that. Um, do yeah. you have one more thing? Uh, do you have on that website the way to verify that your vote got in there? Because I know in like our state, I can right. verify that they received my vote. So if you go to headcount.org slash make your vote count, many states do have ballot tracking through their Secretary of State websites. And so there are links to those uh, on the make your vote count site. Um, and again, yeah, you can also like Google that, look that up. Your state may or may not have a ballot tracking function, but if they do, um, go ahead and use it. Make sure that your vote is being counted. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe That's to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. And definitely go to cannabisindustrylearn.com and sign up for our newsletter just so you can keep up with us just in case, you know, stuff goes down. <laughs> so thanks again. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you.